Today's the first Sunday of Lent, the 40-day period, not counting Sundays, of repentance and renewal as we prepare for Easter. In the early church, this is the time when new converts uh, would spend in deep study, preparing to affirm their faith for the first time and be baptized on Easter morning. Since then, the church has found different ways to observe this holy period. In some traditions and families, it's common to give up something for Lent. In others, it's a time of intentional study and prayer to practice spiritual renewal. There's no one-size-fits-all answer here except that we take this season seriously, to draw closer to God in prayer and study and grow in our relationship with Christ and each other. As in any relationship, the best way to strengthen it is through conversation. It's in dialogue that we truly understand someone, and they understand us. This Lent, we're going to be exploring deep conversations Jesus has with others in the gospel through a series uh, entitled, Just a Closer Talk with Thee. Each week, we'll consider a conversation Jesus has with someone and try to find ourselves in it, as well as a deeper understanding of who Jesus is for us. We begin this series and uh, this season this morning where we always begin Lent, in the wilderness, where Jesus begins his ministry and fasting and prayer and finds an unlikely conversation partner, the devil. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fourth chapter of Matthew, beginning with the first verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Some of you know, in college, I majored in history and became a, a lifelong lover of, of history, particularly U.S. history. One thing that's always struck me is how much historians bank on the first hundred days of a president's term to set the tone for their presidency. 
This all started back with Franklin Delano Roosevelt taking the bold task in his first hundred days to lay the groundwork for what would become the New Deal. Since then, particular attention has been paid to each president's first hundred days, how they decide to begin their term as president, something that often comes to have a big part in their legacy. In our scripture passage today, Jesus is very intentional about how he begins his ministry. With his baptism in the river by John, Jesus has been given the Holy Spirit, and this marks the beginning of his earthly ministry. So pretend we're onlookers at the river that day. We've seen Jesus baptized. We know this is the beginning of his ministry. What would we expect Jesus to go and do first? I'm guessing we wouldn't be expecting him to go off in the woods by himself. It seems silly. I I can't imagine what people were thinking. This big booming voice from heaven just said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Then he goes off by himself. Thankfully, Matthew allows us to accompany Jesus, to go with him into the wilderness. And here, I think we get some insight on on this season of Lent. Jesus goes into the wilderness for a reason, not just to get away from it all or to go on a hike like we might do uh, to go to the wilderness. The gospel tells us that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Jesus goes into the wilderness fully knowing That's who he's going to meet. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus' conversation partner. To be clear, our cultural understanding of the devil today is far more reliant on literature, like Dante's Inferno or Milton's Paradise Lost, than it is on scripture. In the Bible, the devil only makes a few cameos, and his role is always limited to one function— Temptation. The Greek word used here is diabolos, means accuser, slanderer. In secular Greek, this word quite literally means backbiter. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word hasatan, the very word and, and name that Jesus gives to the tempter in the text, is, uh, simply means adversary. And it's the character that we see at the beginning of the story of Job. In Scripture, the devil is a personification of evil, of temptation, and is often simply just called the tempter. What we see is that a real human feeling takes the role of a character for a narrative purpose. Jesus is confronted by temptation, He's confronted by evil itself in the wilderness, and they have a conversation. As we dig into this conversation, I think we'll be surprised to see ourselves on both sides of it. We'll be surprised to see ourselves challenged in our understanding of who we think Jesus is. Jesus has been without food now for 40 days and nights, the gospel tells us. So the tempter's first move is to make Jesus succumb to these very human needs, urges, 
to eat and drink. He says, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones over here into bread. Jesus responds, one doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The tempter then takes Jesus to the temple, saying, asking him to throw himself off so that the angels can protect him. Jesus simply says, don't test God. Finally, he takes Jesus to a high mountain and tempts him with power over every kingdom if Jesus would simply worship him. To which Jesus responds, away with you, Satan, away with you, adversary. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Theologian Douglas John Hall reminds us that these are not really three temptations, but three variations on the same basic theme. You see, the devil has a one-track mind. As from the beginning, he tempts his victims to go for power. Evidently, he knows there's no sure path to internal contradiction and self-destruction. This is the same temptation we saw in our first lesson, as our parent, first parents Adam and Eve succumbed to the serpent as they ate from the tree of knowledge, to be like God. In other words, to get a taste of God's own power. This is the same temptation the people of God would succumb to throughout Scripture. Jesus doesn't succumb to this temptation for power, though. Instead, he doubles down on his humanness and tells the tempter to buzz off, saying, away with you, Satan. This is why theologians will often talk about Jesus as the second Adam, because he reverses the fall of Adam, resisting this power grab offered by the tempter. It should come as no surprise that we face this temptation daily to grasp onto God-like power. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that we often give in. In a very similar way, we create idols from which we seek security. We look for salvation in human institutions, in wealth, even ourselves, rather than God. We all face the temptation of being fed by things other than our faith. But seeing Jesus as the second Adam means we don't have to feel overwhelmed with guilt. Rather, to look to Jesus as our human example of what it means and what it looks like to live out God's will. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we might even find ourselves on the side of the tempter in this conversation. You see, in each temptation, the devil tempts Jesus to take an easy way out. To simply ask God to show up and fix something. Or to just simply bow down and worship the adversary. At times, we've all put God to the test. God, if you would just X, I would go and do Y. We want to make a deal with God. We wager our faith and faithfulness on a flashy divine intervention. But this conversation between Jesus and the tempter shows us who God truly is for us. Jesus resists temptation by trusting God. He resists temptation by trusting God, not testing God. 
In each temptation, Jesus is fully reliant on God's power and God's goodness to deliver him. Do you see the difference, friends? It's the difference between testing and trusting. It's the difference between a transaction and a relationship. It's the difference between making a deal and forming a covenant. Jesus resisting this temptation opens the way for us to move beyond an easy answer or a transaction with God and into a relationship, a deep, ongoing conversation with God. I know for many of us here this morning, we're all still in shock and grief over the tragedy that claimed the lives of our church members, Dick and Nikki, last Wednesday night. The very same night we gathered as a congregation for worship in our chapel and reminded ourselves of just how fragile human life is. I believe there's a word of comfort here for us in this conversation between Jesus and the tempter. So often in tragedy, we want an answer for why something happened. How could God let this happen? But here we see Jesus choose not an easy answer. Rather, what he chooses is a deep, abiding relationship with God. Trusting in God's goodness no matter what. A relationship that sees God alive and at work even in the midst of tragedy comforting those who are grieving, bringing people together. The God we know in Jesus is the God who witnessed his own son die on the cross, suffering the depths of human pain. We know that this is a God who weeps with us on the ash heaps of life. And we know that this God is at work right now, to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we're confident that one day, pain, sorrow, even death will be no more. We can only know this. We can only live this way through trust and relationship. Friends, as we begin Lent, I think this passage is a call to renewal. Our passage ends with this line, Then the devil leaves Jesus, and angels came and waited on him. At first glance, it seems just like a simple, sweet way to end a rough story, to tie it all in a nice bow. But biblical scholar Robert Bryant claims that this line shows that the tester's power is real, but it's limited. Throughout his wilderness journey, Jesus avoids temptation by remaining totally reliant on God. This shows us is that the power of evil in the world is real. Don't underestimate it. But never think it stands a chance against our all-powerful God. Through this lens, through this reality, Lent becomes a time when we can each seek out God in our own lives. In the midst of temptation, in the midst of tragedy, as well as in the midst of joy. Jesus begins his ministry in the wilderness by having a conversation with the tempter. Their conversation shows us that Christ has come to show us the way to resist 
this perennial human temptation to seek and grasp godlike power. This conversation also shows us the reality of evil in the world. But more importantly, that this power doesn't stand a chance against the ultimate power of God. Jesus' victory over the tempter in the wilderness shows us not only the way to resist temptation, but also, and I'd argue more importantly, it opens the way for a deep and abiding relationship with God through Christ. Trusting God in every aspect of our lives, with every fiber of our being, it's this kind of trust that leads us to be fed by him alone as soon we'll gather again at our Lord's table. That we might be strengthened for our journey through the wilderness, through the valleys of life, and finally to the mountaintop. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bend our knees and lift up our hearts, giving glory to God alone forever.